Hey, this is MJ Rodriguez, and this is Dare I Say, the podcast from Harper's Bazaar where we sit in on unfiltered conversations between the most influential women of our time. Women daring to make the difference we deserve. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Gretchen Carlson want to ban forced arbitration in workplace sexual harassment and discrimination cases. Forced arbitration clauses and employment contracts shield companies and perpetrators from public scrutiny. They also strip workers of their right to be judged by a jury. Workers pushed into arbitration are often required to sign confidentiality or non-disclosure agreements, meaning they can't speak out publicly. It's a system that shields harassers and discriminates against workers. Gretchen has firsthand experience of forced arbitration. In 2016, the star journalist was demoted and then fired from Fox News after refusing sexual advances from her boss, Roger Ailes. She went public with her complaint, prompting many other women at Fox to come forward with their own allegations. Roger Ailes resigned, but not before he attempted to force Gretchen into secret arbitration. Gretchen has since teamed up with the Democratic Senator Gillibrand to change the law around forced arbitration. The senator has been a loud critic of sexual assault and harassment throughout her political career, most recently on the campaign trail as a Democratic presidential candidate. She has advocated for survivors of sexual assault on college campuses and in the military. Senator Gillibrand and Gretchen Carlson want to create a safer and fairer workplace for people across the country. There are women who dare. We have been fighting about changing the law so that when people get harassed at work, when they have a boss or a colleague who is constantly harassing them on the basis of their gender, that they don't have to restrict where they can take their claim. Right now, most employment agreements have these forced arbitration clauses as well as non-disclosure agreements set into their employment contract. And so they when they start working, they just they don't even know that they're bound by these. And what we found is that when you do come forward because you've been harassed and are forced into arbitration, a number of things happen. Typically, the landscape isn't as good as a trial would be. Typically, a trial results in more convictions and much higher rewards for harassment in terms of actual financial compensation. But if you have to go through arbitration, you're likely to get a, a smaller award and you might not even win. It's sometimes an opportunity to be outlawed. And the companies typically have so much disproportionately more power than you as an employee does. And so what our bill would do is end forced arbitration. It would void forced arbitration agreements that prevent sexual harassment survivors from getting the justice they need. So it'd be a just across the board void, and that would allow more people to go to court if they want to be heard by a jury of their peers. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing is you don't get the same amount of witnesses in arbitration. You don't get the same amount of discovery. The worst thing that I think happens is that the, the woman or the man, if, if the man happens to be a victim, is is silenced forever. And the perpetrator gets to stay on the job because nobody knows about it. And then because of the non-disclosure agreement, you can't even tell your colleagues. You can't tell your girlfriends at the workplace, like, avoid that guy because this is what he did to me. So it's really hard because it 
allows perpetrators to stay in place, to continue to harass, and it's very problematic. Gretchen's experience at Fox happened a year before allegations against Harvey Weinstein catalyzed a broader conversation about sexual abuse in the workplace. The allegations that emerged post-Weinstein highlighted the arsenal of legal tools companies have long used to cover up toxic workplace culture. Many survivors of Harvey Weinstein's abuse had been silenced for years by NDAs. Several states have since passed laws prohibiting the use of non-disclosure agreements in sexual misconduct cases. Abolishing arbitration laws is another step in the right direction. Well, it allows the allegation of harassment to be brought up into the open. It allows to have juries decide these cases, to have courts of law decide these cases that are transparent. And it's a better way to hold perpetrators accountable. It's a public system. It's not done in private. It's not done behind closed doors. And getting rid of both the forced arbitration and the non-disclosure agreements then allows survivors to come forward and hold their perpetrators accountable publicly so that they can not continue to harass and not continue to get away with it just by fighting a settlement. One of the reasons we rewrote the laws in the Senate and the House was because the way it was set up, it took three months to even report that you were being harassed. And then when you when you did go through this process, you had to have a month of mandatory counseling for you, the survivor, and a mandatory cooling off period. It just was designed to make sure you never reported. So we were able to get that bill signed into law December 21, 2018. And it's really good bipartisan compromise of several bills that were introduced by me and my colleagues And it just makes a better system where members of Congress, if they are accused and found to have harassed, they will be personally liable for paying the awards and settlements stemming from their acts of harassment. Right. And I think that the other effect of being able to know that you can go to an open jury process is that it might actually stop harassers from harassing. Right. Once they they know that women have a voice in the system— they're like, oh, maybe I'll change my behavior, potentially, you know? So yeah. I think that there's there's a dual effect there. Gretchen and Senator Gillibrand have been working on a bill that would void forced arbitration for sexual harassment and discrimination claims in workplaces across America. Gretchen and Senator Gillibrand's bill, the Ending Forced Arbitrations of Sexual Harassment Act, was introduced to the Senate in 2017 alongside Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. The plan is to rally representatives on both sides of the political spectrum. Gretchen launched a national organization dedicated to ending practices that prevent employees from discussing workplace harassment and assault in late 2019. She founded Lift Our Voices with her former colleague from Fox, Julie Roginski. This is an apolitical issue, and this is why, you know, we were so dead set on making sure that this was a bipartisan bill. Because when I've been walking the halls of Congress for the last two and a half years, meeting with Republicans and Democrats, you know, somebody doesn't ask you what political party you're in before they harass you. And that's why we should all care about this. And also, uh, you know this so much better than I do, the idea of trying to actually get something passed, it has to be bipartisan, right? Correct. It must be. And that's why when I think one of the first people you talked to about what happened to you was Lindsey Graham. And so when Lindsey approached me, now 
I think it's two years ago, and said, can you work on this with me? I jumped at the chance because I knew from a lot of the work I do in the sexual assault, sexual harassment space that these agreements are so prevalent. It means that about 60 million American workers don't have access to a public court system to basically protect their employment rights and are instead forced to go to arbitration. So that's why, you know, Senator Graham and I are going to keep working on this bill. And I'm optimistic we can get a bipartisan coalition. And if we can convince Senator McConnell to have a vote, we would prevail if we had a vote on this. The FAIR Act, which is a much bigger arbitration bill and much more all-encompassing, passed in the House in September or October. And that was, I believe, the first time that the issue of arbitration ever went to the House or the Senate floor. Yeah. And that bill basically eliminates forced arbitration clauses in employment, consumer and civil rights cases, and it allows consumers and workers to agree to arbitration after a dispute occurs if they want. So it's very broad-based, and it overwhelmingly passed 225 to 186. So I'm hoping we can get an up-or-down vote right now in the Senate. Senator Blumenthal and I and 32 other Democrats support the bill, but we don't have a Republican on that one. So hopefully we could at least start with the one that Senator Graham and I wrote as a starting point. And our bill is supported by a lot of national advocacy groups. It's supported by the AFL-CIO. It's supported by Public Citizen, Impact Fund, National Women's Health Network, Microsoft, American Associations for Justice. So lots of organizations and companies do support it. So we just need to keep elevating the voices of survivors so they can tell people what happened to them because a lot of people don't realize how prevalent It is. Exactly. In November 2018, more than 20,000 Google employees walked out to protest forced arbitration, as well as a broader pattern of unethical decision making. The company ended its policy of requiring forced arbitration for sexual harassment cases soon after. Facebook, Square, Airbnb, eBay, Uber, and Lyft soon followed suit. But there's still a way to go. One of the really important points is, you know, whether or not companies would do this on their own and not be forced to with federal legislation. You know, an interesting story is that president of Microsoft met with Lindsey Graham after we introduced the bill in December 2017 and decided at that point to to take arbitration clauses out of their employment contracts. And we sort of saw this domino effect in the tech world where you had Airbnb and eBay and Uber and Lyft. And now Google, uh, Google started to end forced arbitration for its current temporary workers in March of 2019. And this is a good step forward, but the new rule still doesn't apply to their temporary workers, vendors, and contractors. So there's more work to be done, so we have to just keep moving. I mean, if they can apply it to their current and future employees, they should also be able to apply it to their temporary workers, vendors, and contractors. Right, and I was hopeful that there would be more of a domino effect after those big companies started stepping up to the plate. I'm interested in your thoughts about whether or not other companies just believe that this is sort of a passing fad and a passing movement and that they don't really have to take these steps um, unless we force them with legislation. Most tech companies are run by men, and there are not as many examples as we'd like of people standing up and being successful in holding their employer accountable. I think Silicon Valley is a very tough landscape for women. They are routinely discriminated against in the workplace, and it's really hard 
to be heard in that kind of climate. But we do have a couple other good leaders into it, and Adobe have also stopped using forced arbitration agreements. So slowly but surely, it is catching on, but it's not the easiest landscape. Well, I know, because when I started talking about this issue, I would usually get a glazed-over look from people in the audience because, you know, when I would ask for people to show their hands, do you know if you have an arbitration clause in your employment contract? And nobody would raise their hands. And this is the way in which companies have been able to to make it so prevalent because they kind of hoodwink their employees. They don't even realize that they have these clauses in their contracts. And and people don't expect to get into any kind of a dispute when they start a new job. I know I didn't. No, you're just so excited you got your job. So it's one of the reasons why we really have to get this legislation passed. It, 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 It shows that we cannot wait for corporate America to catch up with the rest of the world. And we can't leave it to their good graces. Because the truth is, there's so many employers who will never change their rules and we know millions of people are going to suffer because they can't get out of that forced arbitration clause. The popularity of arbitration clauses in employment contracts has thinned the body of case law that establishes legal precedent. It has also dramatically skewed workplace harassment statistics collected by government and civil society. With fewer cases on public record, it's impossible to get a sense of whether workplace culture across the country is improving or not. I want to just pick your brain from a legal perspective because the other really important reason that we should eradicate this specifically for harassment cases is because we've lost all legal precedent on this issue by putting all these cases into arbitration. There are there are yeah. no court cases to be able to go back and look over the last 20 to 25 years and say, well, this is how we're going to rule now based on precedent, right? Correct. It's hurt jurisprudence. It's hurt our ability to create a record. And even outside the law, it hurts our ability to create a record about harassers themselves (laughs) because these arbitration clauses are are paired with these non-disclosure agreements, these gag orders. So you can't even tell the story of what happened to you unless you want to breach your agreement and be open to being sued. And some people do it anyway because they're brave and they want justice and they want to be heard. But the law is not supporting them right now because they're just all these employment agreements are written in a very negative way. So there's no way for us to know, Senator, how many women have been forced into arbitration for harassment cases. There's no way for us to really know how many women have signed settlements with non-disclosures regarding harassment in the workplace. Right. I mean, it, you know, I, I can get a general sense from the thousands of women who reached out to me after my story broke at Fox. Right. But, I mean, it's for sure thousands, but I don't know. It could be it could be a million women in our country. Easily. We just got did get a report, um, a not-for-profit called Stop Street Harassment, did a survey in 2018. In their survey, they found 38% of women said they had experienced sexual harassment in the workplace. And studies have found that ma- the majority of victims of sexual harassment never even come forward to report the harassment. And another report said that as many as 75% of employees who report harassment experience some form of retaliation. So those who are sexually harassed are more likely to leave their jobs prematurely. So it is tough. And I've, as you know, I've been working on sexual harassment and sexual discrimination and sexual assault 
in the workplace for a long time. And I've been focused in the military. I've been focused on college campuses and now in all workplaces. But this is really just the beginning of an argument and the beginning of a debate because the volume is unbelievable. And I don't think people fully realize how negatively it impacts women's ability to be successful in the workplace, to be able to stay in a business or profession they like, being forced out by a harasser, being retaliated against if you come forward. These are the kind of experiences I'm sure you've heard about anecdotally and people read about in the paper all the time. So it's not new and it's really harmful because it means more women are working for less money and not reaching their full economic potential in the workplace because they either have to change jobs or don't get advancement or opportunities because they're in a difficult workplace. I would say 99.9% of the thousands of women who've reached out to me never work in their chosen profession ever again. I mean, that yeah. that's outrageous. Yeah, and that's the retaliation. I mean, that is yeah, and the, and, and the retaliation is the most undersold part of this entire story. You know, sometimes news media can be titillated with the sexual details of a harassment case. But the reality is it's the retaliation that actually does the most damage to your future career and to your mental health. Agreed. Forced arbitration policies and employment contracts have been around since 1925 but have spiked dramatically in the last three decades. One study from 2018 estimated that the share of U.S. workers subject to forced arbitration swelled from 2% to 56% between 1991 and 2017. That's more than 60 million workers blocked from the public court system in America today. It seems to me that after the Anita Hill hearings, companies went on notice that they had to come up with sexual harassment training for their employees, and they had to come up with policies for their institutions. But then they found this great little loophole called arbitration, mm -hmm. and they were able to use it for harassment, assault, gender discrimination, all of these human rights violations that arbitration was never intended never for. Never designed for. Never yep. designed for. That's absolutely true. And it's a way to cover up a company's dirty laundry. Yep. Because you go to the secret chamber and you're never heard from ever again. And that's what you and I are trying to change. And for all our listeners, you know, this is something we can change together. If more people who care about this issue, if more women uh, run for office, support women candidates, lobby Congress, speak out, we can end sexual harassment in the workplace and we can regain our constitutionally provided rights to a jury. So we just need to fight. And I hope everyone here takes time to speak to people that they know, women in the workplace, find out what their personal experiences are, and then lift up voices as best you can and really find allies and elected leaders who support your values. It's disturbing. We have a president who bragged about sexually assaulting mm -hmm. individuals, mm -hmm. assaulting and harassing women and thinks that's okay. So it's a really, it's a moment for women to be heard and for men to be heard on this issue who have been harassed. It's an unseen crime, but it's not an uncommon crime. And so I just hope people understand that our rights are important and they're worth fighting for and that we can get allies everywhere we go to lift up the issue. The, the last question is, why aren't more Republicans supporting this bill yet? They will. Probably the Chamber of Commerce is being difficult because the Chamber just wants to do whatever they perceive as pro-business, but they're wrong. It's so much more pro-business to make our workplaces safe 
and effective for all workers. It is so much better to kick the harassers out, not the workers who are being harassed. So if they were smart or smarter, they might recognize that the best pro-business approach is to get rid of non-disclosure agreements and get rid of forced arbitration clauses. But we do have good allies, and so I'm going to work with Lindsey and work with Senator Lisa Murkowski, who's also on our bill, to get more Republicans to care. But I also have to lift up your voice, Gretchen, because the truth is you came forward and told your story in a time that it was really frightening to do so, a great risk to yourself. And your courage is going to inspire millions of more women and men to come forward when they're being harassed because you stood up to somebody who was you know, absolutely part of the status quo and had enormous power, but you stood stood up and you wouldn't allow him to continue. So thank you for being so brave and courageous and for speaking out for any person who's ever been harassed. When you live your life and develop your resume, it's not like I one day thought to myself, wow, somewhere on my resume, I'll end up being one of the poster children for sexual harassment in the workplace one day. (laughs) I mean, it's not like something that you aspire to, but I've just come through a journey and become stronger and the main thing now is to help other women. And, exactly. And that's what we're trying and to do. And do not with this give bill. up. Right. It's it's really important that we don't give up because if we go give up, who's gonna, you know, protect the, the women who aren't able to come forward? Because there's a lot of women who don't have the resources, education, wherewithal to even begin to hold their harasser accountable. And sometimes for those women, you know, it's a choice of putting food on the table for their kids or sucking it up and dealing with harassment. And it's for those women and men that you and I have to keep fighting for because they don't have the privilege of necessarily standing up to the harasser because they might not be able to feed their kids. I totally agree with you. And that's why you and I both continue to work on this every single day. I really appreciate your time today, Senator. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode was produced by Steph Colburn and the team of women and gender nonconforming producers at Edit Audio. To find out more about our conversation, check out our show notes at harpersbazaar.com forward slash dare I say podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode where we sit down with Annalisa Belerez of Woman's Sphere and Quaylen Ellengrude from McKinsey to talk about the need to include and mentor more women in business. 